1: Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here for a post-game podcast. It feels kind of weird to even say that, but the Bucks did go down to Dallas 112-102 in the preseason opener. Joining me for a little weekend action is the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And I said on Friday, Frank, I I don't know if I'm going to podcast in the weekend. I'm going away for a couple of days. And here we are. Of course, I should have known better. We were always going to do a post-game pod. We've been waiting for a while—not as long as usual, but still a while—to watch these guys play. So we had to do this, right?
0: Yeah, I've been busy with work, and um, you know, not much has really happened in the grand scheme of the universe. So I, I haven't felt like I've I've, I've had anything really compelling or interesting to add. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there was actual basketball today, and um, I, I did the uh, Nate Nate Duncan the Dunked On uh, season outlook pod, the annual tradition. As well today, I don't. I think right now that's just available to paid subscribers, but I believe there will be a free version of that at sometime this week. So um, that was interesting to do a season outlook since I haven't haven't done one of those I mean, you know, we haven't done a, a formal one of those. Obviously, we we just sort of talk about all these things all, all, all day long. So, um, but yeah, it was nice to be able to actually think about basketball and not you know contracts and things like that Uh, because I feel like we'll probably talk about that a lot. Uh, And uh, yeah, it's still kind of strange to see NBA basketball actually happening. And, um, uh, you know, I'd say this was a first preseason game. So all those usual caveats apply. And I don't think you're going to learn a whole lot from a preseason game, (laughs) no matter what happens. So I think we'd say first and foremost, nobody got hurt. Uh, And I thought I was surprised how much the starters actually played in this game, um, but uh, yeah, let's let's get into it. I mean, what, where would you want to start with this game? With with the usual caveats applying that it was a first preseason game <laughs> and a weird one at that, in front of a empty arena, which is obviously you know even for the Bubble Bucks they haven't played in, in their home gym uh, with without any any fans before. So this was uh, also a new situation for them, even having come from the bubble.
1: Well, it's funny you mentioned the minutes because if you just look at the box score, I've got it up in front of me here. And Chris Melton and Giannis both played 24, then Drew Holiday 21, Dante 22, and Brook Lopez 15. So it's funny, Chris and Giannis, honestly, not too far off their season average last year for the regular season, which is ridiculous to think about. Yeah, a real pre type game. The second half in particular, really just, I mean, it was—it was it was... Yeah, it was preseason. I don't know how else to describe it. The Mavs went about 14 deep in, on their uh, bench and the Bucks similar on the other end. I, I, I do want to talk about, and I don't know how you feel about diving into this so early in the season. I do want to talk about Giannis free throws at some point, but why don't, why don't we start by talking about Bobby Porters? Because it was kind of interesting to see this guy out there. We've spoke a lot about the fact that we don't necessarily know what we're going to go get defensively, but... Uh, On offense, as a guy that can score in a variety of ways, he probably brings more to the table than anyone the Bucs have had, you know, in that Marvin Williams, Ilya Sova role, even, yes, DJ Wilson over the last couple of years. So, you know, it's fascinating to me to see him go to work tonight. I, I think it's interesting that he finished with 15 shots in 20 minutes, Uh, So he actually had equal the field goal attempts that drew holiday and Chris Middleton had combined. So uh, I think that the first takeaway is he said last week in his media availability, I like to score. That's what I like to do. And he wasn't wrong. He, he was shooting the ball quickly and shooting the ball regularly And we did, I don't have this tweet up, so I feel bad here, but uh, someone did tweet at me. Did he remind you of Michael Beasley out there? And if you're talking about a guy that when he gets the ball, he's going to find a way to get a shot up, I guess that's a pretty funny comparison. But what did you see from Bobby Portis? Because he wasn't shy. He said he was eager to play, and he certainly looked like a guy that that was the case.
0: Yeah, it's sort of interesting because... Um, I don't, I mean, I don't think anybody uh, really was, was concerned about Portis being able to, to, to fit in and, and do stuff offensively. I think, you know, ultimately his value and whether he can, you know, be a a real contributor to uh, on the positive side of the ledger is, is can he defensively, you know, do enough that, that, you know, he isn't subtracting whatever he brings offensively. Um, And, you know, tonight, I mean, Seven out of 15 for 14 points, you know, pretty cruddy uh, efficiency <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know, we saw some, some long twos. I mean, he hit one where he was late in the shot clock or in the first half, and he kind of had to put one up. But, um, you know, only one three-point attempt, which was pretty strange um, to, to see him take 15 shots in 20 minutes and, and only one of them be, be a three. Um, but, you know, he was active getting up and down the floor, and obviously that, that was a plus. And, um, you know, part of me was just sort of watching him thinking, um, you know, Bobby Forrest is probably gonna look good in the preseason because he's gonna go harder than yeah, probably yeah. most most other people are gonna go. So um I, I don't know, I, I don't really take much of anything from this. Um, you know, I, I was more encouraged by DJ Wilson hitting some threes and getting to the rim and and you know, doing the kinds of things that, that he didn't do at all last season, um, to be honest. And I'm um I was in kind of the DMs and um I can't remember. Uh, whether it was uh, uh, Archon fourteen or Alex Goodkin, uh, two guys I I am uh, in a couple threads with. Somebody said they were they were already prepared for the the season long Bobby Portis versus DJ Wilson. Um, you know arguments right where people are going to be. Um, there's going to be the uh, you know the pro Bobby Portis like he scores points crowd, and then um, you know the the DJ Wilson defensive truthers right i feel like i'm going to be on that dj wilson defensive truthers side in the ledger so we'll, we'll see we'll see whether we're uh you know fighting for dj wilson's chance um which you know i don't i don't know that dj wilson's uh, going to be the guy that, that saves the bucks uh, front court rotation uh, either but um but we'll see it's it's a very interesting thing cuz i mean uh, man the bucks Buck's big man rotation is is really they're going to be dependent on Bobby Portis it looks like and I consider that a little bit scary but um you obviously brings some things to the table especially offensively and obviously we saw some of that tonight so uh we'll see kind of how that how that shakes out and again you just hope that defensively the this coaching staff and schematically they can kind of get him to um you know let's just say be a part of uh, a better defense than he has previously which again he He's been on some pretty bad teams over the years but he obviously hasn't shown a whole lot of uh on that end of the court so yeah he's a guy that that um definitely had some moments tonight and we'll we'll get to see the chance to see a lot of bobby portis putting up uh, shots this season and hopefully uh hopefully they go in.
1: well i'm glad you moved that onto dj wilson because that was the next guy i did want to mention because you exactly hit the nail on the head when you said that it feels like you're going to be campaigning for one end of the floor d- defense with DJ Wilson or offense with Bobby Portis, depending on what camp you're in. And you know it's interesting because you go back to the 2018 19 season where DJ Wilson had that nice sort of stretch from December to February, and then he ended up falling out of the rotation. and And really the reason I felt that he fell out of the rotation was not only because Bud loves Urson, but because uh, DJ couldn't hit a shot to save himself. I mean, during that stretch uh, in February prior to him losing his spot in the rotation, I think he was down in the 20s from uh, three-point land and they were all wide open. So, I mean, they were just really bad misses. So, I think it's going to be interesting to see if he can go and become a 35% three-point shooter or somewhere around there where you at least think that it's a respectable shot and you don't expect that he's going to brick it short and super flat as he has a tendency to do then there should be a spot for him in this rotation because as i asked bud about the big man rotation last week and he said all he mentioned was bobby portis brooke lopez and Giannis, and i thought it was interesting and just not a good sign for dj wilson if bud didn't even throw him in that group and he was willing to just mention three guys but dj played well tonight and he said after the game that he intends to take a spot and it was difficult last year. He didn't get the opportunities that he wanted to, but he intends to do so this year. So we know what he can do defensively. I thought tonight he had a couple of nice possessions as well. He's athletic. He can move laterally uh, as well as as some of the other guys that have been in that spot. It's just been offense. Can he bring something to the table? We know he's going to run out in transition. We know he can be uh, a guy that can hit the offensive glass But the three-point shot, if that becomes consistent, I can see him getting minutes in this team with regularity. And that 2018-19 season, when he played, I I know, again, it was dependent on the rotation, but he was playing 20 minutes a night. I mean, he played over 800 minutes uh, that season, and that was virtually slashed in half this year. So DJ Wilson, another guy that is is really on the periphery, but uh, along with Dante DiVincenzo, there just isn't too many guys on this team that have room to grow in terms of their ceiling, that you look at them and say they could but gets significantly better. Wilson is one of them, but I understand why you wouldn't have any confidence in him doing so because he just hasn't played uh, for so long. And you mentioned you mentioned the defensive schemes and I thought it was kind of interesting. I stayed off Twitter because I was watching this game on a little bit of a delay, but the Bucs clearly were playing drop scheme tonight. They, they used it a lot, no matter who was out on the floor, whether it was Bobby Portis, which is kind of a little strange. I mean, we've spoke about this. Giannis in those small lineups, they were still doing that. And I do just want to point out We had Matt Velasquez on the podcast last week and we played that audio from Bud, which was kind of revealing that he said we have the guys that can do it. We have had the guys that could switch in the past and we just haven't done it. It's incumbent on us to do that more often. And I do think that that might have been a little bit confusing for some that maybe thought that they should expect to see that in the first preseason game. I just don't think that's the case because Bud said himself, at first when we're getting all these guys acclimatized to this team, we need them to be learning the basics. And the basics for this team is going to remain drop coverage. That's what it's going to be. So I wasn't at all surprised to see that tonight. These guys have only been able to practice together for a week. It's, you're going to see a lot of that. And we'll see during the regular season where the Buds comments uh, come true. We certainly hope that they do. But I, I just want to point out that I wasn't shocked at all with what I saw them doing defensively tonight.
0: Yeah, I think that's the a good way to frame it. And, uh, you know, it's it's one preseason game. And, uh, you know, I, I, I no, think... Don't overreact. <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and you do have, uh, especially the bench, I mean, the bench is uh, extremely turned over relative to where it was last year. And so um, I think just trying to get guys to play in, in their basic scheme is, is to be expected. And, and I mean, look... They had the best defense by a country mile last year. <laughs> so, it's, you know, for whatever, you know, shortcomings the Bucks had, especially in, in that Heat series defensively, you know, I mean, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, like, we, we have to totally reinvent, you know, what this team is. And, you know, especially with Brooke, obviously, you know, you're, you're not going to change to a hyper-aggressive scheme with Brooke Lopez at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it worked extremely well with Brooke at the back. And I think the the question is more especially with those lineups with Giannis and, and Portis or Giannis and the smaller group um you know is there uh, is the do they start working in different looks and then you know I, I, on the the podcast with Nate today, I said you know they they need change ups right they need they need a different look, right Miami went to their zone a lot you know you need something else you can do, whether that's a, you know kind of a switch heavy scheme or something that you know takes away some of the things that um that that zone scheme, that zone drop scheme gives up. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't think there's much to kind of really take away from from this game um, defensively. Um, I, you know, again, I think it was just a chance to see maybe some guys we haven't seen before um, doing different things. Well, you know, I, I thought Jordan Nowara, I've never seen Jordan Nowara play other than some YouTube highlights. He actually moved his feet relatively yeah. well a few times when he was out there. In the second half, I thought, oh, okay, you know, he's not like a, just a total turnstile. At least against, mm-hmm. you know, the Mavericks, uh, the Mavericks deep bench guys. Uh, at least he kind of held his own there a little bit. But, but yeah, I mean, there's not a lot you can probably take away defensively from a game like this. Both teams, especially in that, you know, in the first quarter, it was it was pretty ugly um, from both teams. It was, it was fun watching Drew Holiday defend Luka Doncic. I thought, you know, he he did a nice job. Got got handsy with him, poked the ball away a few times, and then in the second quarter, Luka got. Got going a little bit, hitting some threes, um, mostly against other guys. But uh, but yeah, I mean again, I, I think how good the Bucks defense can be is is an interesting question, I think, especially given that they're second unit guys. Um, you know, specifically Augustine Portis, Bryn Forbes, you know, these new guys, those guys do not bring a whole lot to the table defensively, especially relative to the guys we saw last year, right? You know, George Hill, um, Uh, you know, I don't know if you call Wes Matthews. Uh, It's not exactly, you know, Brent Forbes isn't exactly replacing Wes Matthews since you've got Dante sliding in the starting five and Wes was obviously a starter, but um, you know, Forbes obviously not a defensive guy. Portis not a defensive guy, Augustine not a defensive guy. Um, And so I think that's, it's going to be interesting to see just how good they can be defensively again this year um, relative to that very high bar that they set last year. So that, that will be obviously something that, you know, we're going to need to see a lot more to to get a, a decent read on and, again, hard in this scenario, too, just because, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious what the real rotations are going to look like. Although, again, I, I imagine what we saw was probably closer to, um, probably closer to a normal set of rotations in those first two and a half quarters than probably I was expecting. With the exception of Thanasis coming in for Giannis after he took that shot to the eye in the first quarter, um, there was probably, you know, it was, it was probably pretty telling who, who we saw play even if obviously they're going to go deeper in any preseason game early than they would probably in a regular season game. But obviously, Bud, no, no uh, not a guy that is, is bashful while using his bench.
1: Yeah, no Nick Stauskas. Um, very disappointing to the Stauskas <laughs> out there that we're hoping to see some of him. It's funny you mentioned the rotation, though, because I think there's been some discussion around the fact that perhaps – some of the additions the Bucks made certainly early days there was some stuff on Twitter. Well, now Bud won't be able to play a bunch of guys because he doesn't have enough. But if you just read through the names and you can take out the rookies if you want, I mean, I wouldn't expect uh, they were going to be they are going to play a big part in the rotation certainly initially. Uh, we'll see. But if you look at the five starters with Chris, Giannis, Brooke, uh, Dante, interesting. We'll see whether that stays in, in that form there with Dante playing uh, the other guard position and Drew Holiday, that's your five. You know they're going to play significant minutes. Then you have Bobby Portis, Bryn Forbes, uh, DJ Augustine, Pat Conant and Torrey Craig. You expect that those five are going to play. And then if you throw DJ Wilson in the mix, then all of a sudden you're back out to an 11-man rotation again. So it's kind of funny. They, they have different guys that maybe they would like to play in different matchups in different rotations but I haven't really in certainly the two years that Bud's been here in Milwaukee I haven't really seen him be a coach that utilizes different matchups to play different guys more it's generally just he has a group and he sticks to that substitution pattern so we'll see we'll see what happens but I'm not necessarily buying the belief that the Bucks have uh, maybe less depth than they had last year or less guys or fewer guys that uh, Sorry, Frank, fewer guys that they will uh, put out on the floor. <laughs> I, I'm not really seeing that. I'm still seeing 11 guys that could potentially play every night.
0: Yeah, and I think, again, defensively, I'm just really curious, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: especially if... I'm, I'm very curious what the staggering of of Giannis, Chris, and Drew is going to look like because I feel like that's just going to be even more critical than, yep. than last year just because of... Um, some of the defensive limitations of those guys coming off the bench. So We saw some Torrey um, Craig
1: on, on Luka. I know you mentioned he yeah. hit one of those threes. It was sort of right in, in Torrey Craig's face, but that was interesting to see. He got a couple of possessions there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. What about Giannis? I mean, you spoke about, obviously, he took that early shot and just interesting, just off uh, another note here, it's kind of fascinating to see perhaps the, the different view that the broadcasters have with Jim and Marcus both initially concerned that there was some sort of leg injury where it was very clear on the broadcast for me that he, he took a shot to the, to the nose or to, to the eye there and he was down for a little bit, but he came back on the floor and just one of those Giannis nights. I mean, you forget that he does this, but 25 points, 10 rebounds in 24 minutes, he really had a big stretch during the second quarter. But the most interesting thing, and I, uh, is it too early to talk about the Giannis free throws? It's probably never too early to talk about Giannis free throws. Six of seven from the line. And I must admit, depending on what camera we had, and, and maybe I just wasn't looking for this specifically in this first up preseason game, but Dean Maniart uh, mentioned in, in our uh, group DM that I, I didn't look at again until after the game, that uh, the right elbow position is certainly more Um, I don't know how to explain this over the podcast, but it's more uh, back than where it was. Normally, it was sort of his right elbow was kind of in front of his body as he moved up to release the shot. It's significantly moved uh, further back there. Um, And that's that's a change. And I I asked him straight up after the game and he never gives anything away really when you ask him this question. But I thought, well, people are talking about it. I'll, I'll ask him. I asked about his free throw routine. He said he has been working with Josh Oppenheimer, who we expected was going to be a guy that was going to work with his shot uh, a lot with him. We know he was over in Greece. And he said about a month and a half ago to two months ago, he did make changes to his shot And then he didn't give much else away. He went into his usual routine about just being confident and let it fly. But it's something. It's a change. He's done this a million times before. I'm not going to get too excited about his six or seven uh, free throw night tonight. But they brought Oppenheimer back. You thought that something was going to change. It appears that something has.
0: Yeah, I I mean, last year before the All-Star break, you know, we we obviously talked a lot about, I think it was a five-dribble routine that he went to. And he was just, you know credit to him. He finally sort of just said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to shorten this up and just, you know, try to just be consistent with it. And, um, you know, he started that, that his his shooting motion started very much with the ball in front of him. And so nominally, I would say it was maybe a little more, maybe a little more compact than, you know, bringing it from, from a kind of lower into the right side that that he was doing tonight. Um, But again, this is so much of this is just mental. I mean, you know, the, the number of, of airball free throws he shot last year is, I mean, was just incredible, right? I mean, I, I'd be curious to know what the record for airball free throws in a season was because I mean, he was 63% last year. Obviously many guys have been worse than that (laughs) in NBA history, but you know, he took takes a ton of free throws and the number that he badly missed um, was, was just crazy. Right. And so obviously there there is a mental component to that he obviously doesn't have great touch regardless right um he's not a natural shooter obviously uh but you know unlike the three-point shooting which you know we've never seen him be a good shooter right um his mid-range jump shooting has improved actually a lot over the years steadily whereas his three-point shooting obviously you know has has you know started off surprisingly decent as a rookie and then you know cratered and then has sort of like vaguely improved. (laughs) Um, but the free throw shooting, he was a good free throw shooter, you know, Jason Kidd and company, whatever they were doing, it didn't ruin his free throw shooting ability. You know, he was at 76 and then 77%, um, you know, and and then for whatever reason, um, you know, has, has crested downward during the two bud years and and been bad in playoffs. So, um, I think the main thing is just consistency, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to look like a work of art to, um, to, to be the right thing. It's not like his, his, it's not like he like broke his form or something like that. It's just kind of, he just sort of brings the ball to the side a little bit before he goes into his upward motion. So, you know, again, uh, as long as, you know, if it's something that he does consistently and he sees the ball go in, which actually was happening before the suspension of play in in March, he actually was shooting the ball um, over 70% in that period um, since he, you know, when he changed that to that more abbreviated routine, and then you know in the bubble for whatever reason it it regressed again. So, um, you know, again we'll just we'll just watch it, and you just hope that uh, his confidence grows and that he just believes in it, and and that he gets back to where he once was. And we know we know he's capable of shooting league average or even a little bit better from the free throw line. And um, you know, you just look at you know for a guy shooting ten free throws a game, you know, if you're at sixty three percent versus seventy five percent, you know, that's one point two points per game that you're you know just losing. For, for nothing right if you don't make those free throws um at, at that respectable clip so you know yeah we, I, I am you know a few things i pay attention to in life as much as Giannis free throws so uh i'm sure we will talk about that um i, I i've kind of lost interest in talking about yana's jump shooting to, to an extent uh and tonight he looked pretty much the same as ever you know air balls of one three you know has a couple of early threes that he jacks up and did hit one um you know hit a fadeaway uh jump shot, um, missed some, some other jump shots, you know, not really anything I think different from what we've seen in the past, but, uh, yeah, as you said, there, there was a, a, a very clear change that he did make to that, to that free throw routine. And, um, yeah, if, if it's, if it's something that, that actually works and gets him back to where he once was, then that would obviously be a, uh, be a big boost.
1: Uh, I'm with you with the jump shot. And it's funny, this has become uh, mentioned uh, a lot more over the years. I know people you're sort of in the national media still focus on the jump shot a lot. But I think within the Bucs circle, everyone that's watched what's going on in the postseason the last two years when the Bucks have lost, he's been in the 50s during the playoffs. And despite still being or still getting 10 plus free throw attempts per game, you're just leaving too many points. Uh, at the free throw line. So certainly, as you pointed to, if he could get that up above even 70, just feels like a huge step. Um, you would love to see him eventually get back to that 75% mark. But we will wait and see. And you're right, 100%. This is not the last time we're going to talk about that. I can guarantee it. Uh, one thing that got brought up on the broadcast a little bit was his weight. And listen, we've been watching Giannis for the last six years, and he just consistently comes back bigger and bigger and more chiseled every single season he's in the league. Uh, listed at 250, Laurie Nickel from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel asked him about this uh, post-game and Yana sort of cracked up laughing when uh, she mentioned that he was at 242 or was listed at 242 last season. Uh, he's like, I wasn't at 242 last season. He's like, I don't know what I was listed at, but I definitely wasn't at 242. Uh, so he said, yeah, maybe he's put on a couple of pounds uh, here or there, but perhaps it's not as significant as what the the listings will tell you and listen we always know that take uh, those listings with a grain of salt but I guess before we we really wrap this this thing up and uh, I've got one or two more points from the game and I'll throw it to you if you have anything else but because we haven't had the chance to sit down and speak since the Giannis media availability since the Giannis non-signing of a contract yet as we are recording this uh, on which is about to be Sunday the 13th of December he's got just over a week until that 21st deadline for the Supermax where are you at Frank what are you thinking how have you observed the last week or so because uh, like i said we haven't had a chance to go through this
0: yeah i mean the longer he waits obviously the the worse <laughs> the worse of a sign it is for him uh for him wanting to sign it right um and uh you know i i uh, I was joking on uh posted this on facebook for my more normal real life friends as well like um scott cacciola interviewed me on uh, i guess it was thursday or friday about that for the for the new york times he was writing a, a story about you know what 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 Giannis's decision sort of how that's perceived by kind of the bucks fan base and so um so i you know i kind of framed it as you know last year you know the obviously people were talking about this even last year, like, will Giannis stay, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the difference was then, I mean, he couldn't sign a Supermax extension at that time. So it was really something that that the media was was pushing and, you know, there was nothing to do about it. Um, you know, now we've reached a point, we've reached that inflection point where, you know, people are going to obviously talk about it if he doesn't sign. But it's, you know, because he has not, chosen to stop that discussion because he has decided he doesn't want to sign. And, um, you know, again, there's a very logical reason to not sign right now. I mean, one, the number, the the amount of money he can make with a Supermax next summer is the exact same amount that he can get by signing it now. It's just about locking that number up. And again, you know, if he's playing basketball next year, you know, whether he tears his Achilles, tears his ACL... There's no injury short of death that's going to prevent the Bucks from offering him that number, right? It's not like there's that, that big of a risk of him not just taking the money now. Um, and so a lot of it just comes down of, like, does he actually trust this franchise um, to, you know, to, to make that commitment to them now versus um, waiting on it? And I think, you know, there was an interesting dynamic this summer. He obviously told them players that he wanted to play with. You know, um Bogdan Bogdanovich, obviously the, the 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 guy that got away. Um, and his um, I'll say this, even if he signs at Supermax, I mean if he signs at Supermax, I'm sure it will be with the caveat of if things go off the rails, I expect you guys to, you know, honor my desire to to be traded if it ever came to that, right? And you know that if Giannis signs his extension that Somebody's gonna tweet that out, and that will be used as subtext to continue to talk about Giannis potentially leaving. You know, anytime the Bucks don't win a championship. But um, so, don't expect this to go away, even if even if he signed that that supermax. But um, you know, so so it's kind of just a uh, it's tough because I think I think at the end of the day, I mean, I think Giannis is looking. For, Giannis is the sort of guy I think he's looking for reasons to stay rather than to leave. Um, but he doesn't have to make that decision now. He can defer it and get the same amount of money and obviously his leverage to put pressure on the Bucks as an organization is higher (laughs) if he doesn't have a contract uh, beyond this season than it is if he if he signs that long-term extension and I don't know that that's you know again I don't know I don't think Giannis is is trying to just like play GM here or anything like that I don't think that's what he wants to do Um, but you know I think if you look at the way the Bucks have operated and some of the, you know, some of the missteps and sloppiness that we've seen, um, you know, holding them accountable and, and not just basically saying, sure, don't worry about it. I'll sign. And you guys can, you know, um, you guys can, can rest easy that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not leaving. Uh, I, I can certainly see the a reason why you'd maybe take that extra pressure of not signing. Cause we know that there's going to be extra pressure. Uh, and, and move forward with that. And again, I don't think Giannis is going to enjoy um, the spotlight that, you know, comes with not signing. And, you know, I think you got you and um, Justin talked about it. Um, you know, he's somewhat sheltered in Milwaukee from a lot of that spotlight, but it, you know, he didn't have a good time on that, on that media availability earlier this week where he got, you know, badgered about it. Cause everybody's that's the question, right? Um, so, so we'll see. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I would say at this point, I mean, I'm not expecting him to sign. I think he still might sign, but um, I certainly, my confidence in him signing, I I, I thought he probably was going to sign, you know, as of of, two, three weeks ago. And now certainly my confidence in that has has fallen significantly. And, you know, as we stand, there's nine days left that he has to do it. Maybe he does. Um, He could always sign a a shorter extension for less money. Uh, That wouldn't be a supermax level deal. Um, you know, even during the season, but um, I don't know. I'm not sure that Giannis would do that. I, I, I don't know. I, it, it's kind of hard to say. I think there's arguments for doing that, like doing a two plus one, but um, it's tough to say. And, and again, I think so much of this just comes down to you know, does he really trust this franchise, or does he want to kind of play it? You know, give give it a little more time. Um, but unfortunately, if you're a Bucks fan, that that's not you know, that's not a very <laughs> That, that would not be a very satisfying thing, because again with the way especially the way they mortgaged um you know the, all those picks on drew holiday uh all of a sudden you know you're gonna have um you're gonna have you're you're staring at at, at possibly a cliff next summer if uh if obviously Giannis w- were to not return, and obviously if holiday were to opt out and leave i mean you know it's so difficult to imagine a more disastrous scenario just given given everything that's happened and obviously what Giannis means to them. But, but we'll see, hopefully, I mean, again, I, I, don't, I you know, my hope is with basketball coming back, we can actually enjoy, enjoy the sport <laughs> and, and not let the, let that potentially um, distract too much, but it's only natural. You know, I, I think I, I like listening to national podcasts when they talk about the Bucks, but you know, I, I think <laughs> it's going to be probably a, a tough slog if, if Giannis doesn't sign, especially if, you know, they're not playing at a really high level Obviously, it's going to be the talking point of in uh, that that subtext for for every Bucks discussion is oh the Bucks are only third in the East. What has Giannis got to be thinking right now? You know, and it's it's going to be it's going to be annoying. So, um, obviously, you hope that he signs, but again, I, I don't hold it against him at all. If he doesn't, I think it'd be a very rational thing not to sign and just to wait.
1: Yeah, there's certainly an argument for that, and uh, the point you made about a shorter extension. I know we had. previously discussed that that could be an attractive option to him. But as you mentioned, not for Supermax money. And to me, why you would not sign the Supermax but then sign a shorter extension soon thereafter or during the season doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't seem to add up to me. So it's certainly not something I'm expecting if we don't hear anything beyond the 21st. But look, we've got another week or so here. And the one thing I've always said, I mean, Giannis is not conventional. And I think it was Matt Velasquez on the podcast that pointed it out that perhaps he's just like, yeah, I, I, I don't really care. I, I can just sign this a little bit later. Maybe I can avoid some media stuff. And that's why it was so interesting that he did that availability as we pointed out on the show. And as everyone knows, he didn't exactly seem like a happy guy on that Zoom call with the line of questioning. I was somewhat surprised that they snuck him in post-game today, but there was really not many people on this call at all. I wonder whether people just expect now that he's not going to speak. I certainly wouldn't expect to see Giannis doing a post-practice availability where you get him for a more extended period of time and a game hasn't just finished. I'm not expecting that again before the 21st, but time will tell. Uh, I know everyone's going to be uh, very much on Giannis' watch for at least the next week, and of course we'll we'll keep you up to date here on the show if anything happens, but Frank, before we wrap it up, is there any any final thoughts from game one of the preseason?
0: No, I mean obviously, you know, it's a preseason game. I think you would have love to see the Bucs win considering the starters played basically three quarters and the Mavs starters basically played two but you yeah. kind of you know narrative wise I mean basically the Bucks starters lost the game against the Mavs B team in the third quarter right I think if the Bucks had just brought out the bench in the third quarter you probably would have ended up feeling a lot better about this game um you know after Giannis had that big second quarter to to give them the lead um so so yeah uh, this was you know definitely a deserved <laughs> it doesn't count but it's a deserved loss considering you put in a better a bigger effort to win the game essentially than than Dallas did and um we'll see i mean I, you know after the after the bubble and you know given some of the questions around some of the i think um you know the the depth and things like that um I, i'm curious you know what level does this team get up to and how quickly do they get up to it because certainly um you know, we, we, we got left with a bad taste in our mouths, uh, from what we saw in, in Orlando. And, um, you know, it was good to see Giannis kind of start to get going tonight Chris Middleton, you know, did Chris Middleton stuff. We didn't really talk about Drew Holiday at all. Um, he had a kind of slow night offensively, but, um, you know, again, it's, it's preseason. We'll, we'll see kind of how, how much his involvement sort of changes. He, he played a lot more off ball than, than I was thinking he might. Um, but, uh, You know, again, I think how these sort of rotations stack up is is obviously going to be really interesting to watch. And um, uh, again, only two more preseason games, so um, (laughs) not a lot of runway here before before the games start to count.
1: Yeah, Monday night they'll play the Mavericks again. uh, 7 p.m. start again. That is uh, Central Time there, and uh, some Drew Holiday stuff. Interesting from the post game. Bud mentions some stuff around offensive rebounding, so I think we'll get to that on the show tomorrow. uh, They have practice tomorrow, so we'll hear from a couple of players there as well. So we'll be able to bring all the updates there. And one final stat that stands out, I mean, you just look at the box score, the Mavericks 17 for 43 from three, 39.5%. The Bucks nine for 38, 23%. And the starters were just four for 20 uh, from three on the first game of the preseason. So hey, you're not going to win many games if you're shooting 23% from three. We know that from the past with the Bucks. So a little bit rusty, interesting to know what kind of uh, part the empty arena will play in that as well. We know from last year with guys like Corver and, and Brooke Lopez who shot really well that the bubble environment, the smaller arena, the dark setting seem to suit these guys. So I do wonder what impact this is going to have on the players now playing in an empty arena, but we'll see. We'll see if the shooting bounces back as the preseason rolls on. But as you mentioned, only two games to go here before the regular season starts. Frank, I know you are a, a seriously busy man, and uh, I was glad we got to catch up here. It's been a little bit. It has.
0: It has. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, getting a bit more relaxation in over the Christmas holidays. And uh, yeah, that works well because that's when we're going to have real NBA basketball <laughs> back. So I, I think my, my first vacation day uh, of, of the holiday period is going to be, I think, opening night. So i um, looking forward to that.
1: All right, like I said, we will be back tomorrow. Bucks will practice a day out from game two of the preseason against Dallas again. So for Frank and myself, we'll leave it there. Stay safe. We'll speak to you guys tomorrow.